there was a young lady whose nose was so long that it reached to her toes. So she hired an old lady whose conduct was steady to carry that wonderful nose. <laughs> An enthusiastic crowd had gathered along the banks of the River Shannon in the Irish city of Limerick to enjoy recitations of Edward Lear's limericks. Among the crowd, 14 American children listened intently and even recited their favorites, although they were shy, for they had waited many years to attend this poetry festival. They adored the hilarious, sometimes nonsensical five-line limerick poem in which the first two lines rhyme with the last and the third and fourth lines rhyme with each other. Another! shrieks Leah. And now, someone else stood on the stage and recited. There was an old man with a beard who said, It is just as I feared. Two owls and a hen, four larks and a wren, have all built their nest in my beard. One of the fathers stepped up to share his recitation. There was an old man of Kilkenny who never had more than a penny. He spent all that money in onions and honey, that wayward old man of Kilkenny. Perfect poem! exclaimed Claire. Because our clue to finding my family's long lost farm tells us to look in Kilkenny. She pulled a yellowed handwritten letter from her pocket. We haven't even told King John's castle yet. Can't we explore Limerick some more? No. In this letter, my great grandfather gave his cousin's possession of his farm in Ireland for the next 90 years. Then he writes that the cousins must give it back to his children if the children claim it by St. Patrick's Day of the 91st year. We're in the 91st year, and St. Patrick's Day is almost here, she exclaimed. Her friends knew how the O'Farrells had always longed to find a farm, especially one that would connect them to their great-grandfather who had migrated to New York from Ireland in 1929. From America, they had tried contacting his cousins and followed other leads, but had found no answers. The family had spoken of nothing else since they found the letter in an old trunk in their grandmother's attic. Finally, once they had arrived in Ireland, they had traced a trail of clues to find the region in which the farm had last been documented on a map. You're all here to help us find the farm. Now listen to rhymes, dress like fairies, and eat green cupcakes all day. You're right. Micah nodded, slipping a green cupcake into his backpack. Forget that we're in Ireland for St. Paddy's Day. We have a farm to catch. The children followed Jack's mother onto their bus. Claire and Isabel, the older girls, sat up front to speak with the bus driver, and behind them, Peyton, Maddie, and Grace filed into their seats. The boys hopped onto the bus as well, but Levi lingered behind with Micah. They scoured the countryside for a sign of a leprechaun, which is really why Levi had come on the trip. Come out, come out, wherever you are, and please, can you bring your pot of gold? <laughs> Hi, I'm your host Heidi Elian and this is Brilliant Mornings. Join us as we ignite a passion for history and learn from the great minds of the past. This season we explore the holidays in the United States, uncovering the lesser known stories of the people behind them. We focus on the poetry and narratives, written or oral, behind the great men and women of the world's many beautiful cultures. Today we'll join a group of American children on a quest through Ireland. You may be asking how Ireland relates to American holidays, and well, it just so happens that the millions of Irish immigrants to the U.S. brought one of their favorite celebrations with them. On today's St. Patrick's Day episode, the O'Farrell family races for time. 
They must claim their family's long-lost farm by St. Patrick's Day, or they'll lose it forever. Along their quest, the children and their friends will discover the surprising first occupation of St. Patrick, enjoy poems and music of the Irish, and learn that happiness doesn't always come from getting what you want. I arise today through the strength of heaven. I arise today through the strength of heaven. Light of the sun, splendor of fire, speed of lightning, swiftness of the wind, depth of the sea, and stability of the earth. Do you hear that song? The leprechauns and the hoods are having a party. Levi giggled in exhilaration. The children could not find the source of the angelic voice, and so, of course, Levi thought that it was a fairy party with leprechauns. Claire, Jack, Levi, and their friends walked along a country road just outside of the medieval Irish city of Kilkenny. A gentle rain had just subsided, and the rays of sunshine pierced through a thin layer of clouds in the sky. Suddenly, Arabella shouted, Look, it's a rainbow! Indeed, the most magical looking of rainbows arched across the sky, its red, orange, yellow, green, blue, purple hues shining brightly. The legend says that the leprechauns are very short men who wear green hats and suits. They live by themselves and make shoes for the fairies of Ireland. When they're paid in gold, they collect their money in pots and hide them at the end of rainbows, explained Grace. Why? asked Josiah. Because it's impossible to ever find the end of a rainbow, said Claire. Nonsense! I can find the end, Teo exclaimed. He dashed into a velvety green field toward one end of the rainbow arch. The other children galloped after him, but try as they might, they could never reach the place where the rainbow stood, taunting them. No one could find the leprechauns hiding in the hills either. An hour had passed and the rainbow had simply faded from view. How tricky these rainbows and leprechauns are, sighed Leah. I arise today. At this moment, they noticed a young woman with long red curly hair. Her body swayed in front of a small cottage as she sang. When the children clapped, her cheeks flushed, and with a shy smile, she introduced herself as Erin. I know that song you were singing. Maddie remembered it as St. Patrick's Breastplate, a prayer he had offered to God when traveling through dangerous places. Erin's eyes sparkled, and she explained she would sing that evening at a midnight service honoring Ireland's heroes. She pulled out the music to her next song. You look like Americans hunted for leprechauns. If you're here to understand Ireland better, my song will teach you much more than finding a leprechaun will. The words begin with a cheer, oro, and say, You are welcome home, now that summer's coming. I heard that ancient clan march when we first arrived here said Isabel. It's a stirring cry for Irish people to take back their homeland. But who took it from them? She asked. Well, for hundreds of years, the British ruled Ireland. The Catholic people experienced times without rights. For example, they couldn't own land. An Irish nationalist poet, Patrick Pierce, rewrote this song in the early 1900s, right before Ireland fought Britain for its independence. It became its own country in 1922. 
The children knelt in the grass to hear Oro. Oro se deva huwale, Oro se deva huwale, Oro se deva huwale. Einisha hachtam tauri, Oro se deva huwale, Oro se deva huwale, Oro se deva huwale. As soon as the song finished, the clouds parted and the sun shone over the countryside. That was beautiful, sighed Peyton. I wish we could listen to you all day, but we're on a quest to find a missing piece of land. Have you ever heard of the O'Farrell farm? I'm sorry, I haven't. But if you walk two kilometers through these fields, you'll reach the cottage of old man O'Sullivan. He has the memory of an elephant and chatters like a chipmunk. He knows all there is to know about this region. The children thanked Erin and headed in the direction her thin finger pointed. They trudged through fields of waist-high yellow flowers and began to hear the bleating of sheep. Several lambs appeared behind a gate, with their mothers close behind them. In the blinding rays of the setting sun, they could just make out the form of a man approaching with a pail in his hand. Are you Mr. O'Sullivan? Peyton called to him. Hi, kids. My name is Alan. I am a shepherd, and a shepherd is someone who looks after and cares for sheep. Right now, I have just finished bottle feeding some lambs, and I'm doing some nighttime checks before I go to bed on the sheep. The children were honored that Alan let them go on his rounds with him. He explained. Lambs are born in spring each year, so right now is very busy for shepherds. At that moment, a limping old man with a smile and a long white beard emerged on the nearby dirt path. He leaned on a thin walking stick and peered at the children with keen interest and eyes that said, What have we here? Are you Mr. O'Sullivan? Peyton asked. Well, I reckon I am. You sound like American kids. He said with an amused, toothless grin. I'd know. I was born there. You know, my great-great-grandparents had a potato farm in Ireland, but they moved to America during the hunger. Do you kids know what it feels like to be really, really hungry? Stomach's growling. You did anything. Even bugs just to fill your achy tummy. At this, Mr. O'Sullivan caught a fly between a gnarly old thumb and a pointer finger and snapped it into his mouth. Well, over a hundred years ago, most of the people ate potatoes here in Ireland. But all of the potatoes became diseased and died. That meant that most of the Irish were left with nothing to eat. Of course, they didn't want to see their children starve to death. So the O'Sullivans gathered everything they could carry and climbed into a ship that took them to New York. Our family stayed in New York, but I always felt I belonged back here, in Ireland. So as soon as I got out of the army, I came straight to Ireland and became a shepherd here. Never regretted that decision. He looked across the verdant fields and petted a wandering lamb. Shepherding is the most noble of professions, you know. King David learned bravery while he was a shepherd. And do you know St. Patrick? The leprechaun? Asked Levi, brightening up. 
St. Patrick was not a leprechaun. <laughs> he lived in the early 400s in Britain. So actually, he wasn't even Irish. He was brought here against his will by raiders and sold to be a slave. His job was to take care of sheep on the Irish countryside, which he did for six years until he escaped. As a shepherd, he realized a lot about himself. His desperate cries sounded something like this. Mr. O'Sullivan winked at someone behind the children, and an energetic girl in overalls stepped forward, introducing herself as his granddaughter. During his time as a shepherd, St. Patrick learned to pray, sometimes 100 times a day. This helped him to form a relationship with God that eventually led him back to Ireland as a missionary to the people who had once captured him. I wrote this poem about the prayers I imagine he prayed. Oh God, I am a captive in slavery. Will you please bring me back to my family? I'm taking care of all these sheep, you see, but I want to fulfill my destiny. God, I realize I've been selfish too. Hurt other people, didn't follow you. Been a slave to sin and humanity, but you've set me free and I'm in your family. I love you now more with every day. Body in chains, soul no longer astray. And now you say there's a ship on its way. My escape is here and I don't have to stay. You'll take me back. You'll take me back. I'm going home because you'll take me back. St. Patrick had prayed night and day, and he finally escaped onto a ship, took a dangerous trip, and finally returned to his family. Astonishingly, St. Patrick eventually felt he had to return to Ireland to tell the people who had captured him about the God he loved so much. I've seen a vision in my liberty. The Irish are begging and calling me. Danger awaits around every turn, but I must return for Christianity. I'm going back to Ireland. I can't stay silent, though it may get violent, so I'm going back. God took me back, so there's no turning back. St. Patrick spent the rest of his life moving throughout the different tribes in Ireland, humbly telling them about the gospel of Jesus Christ who came to rescue from sin and shepherd his people. The Irish tell many legends about him. Ireland does not have any snakes, and people say St. Patrick cast all the snakes into the sea. They also say that he uses a shamrock, which has three parts to its leaf, to explain the trinity of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Whether these things are true, I don't know. But I know that because a young boy learned to care for lives of sheep, he made a great leader when called to care for people later on. The churches all around Ireland show his legacy. All of the children listening now had lambs in their laps and petted the soft creatures as they listened. Suddenly, Isabel spoke up. Mr. Sullivan, now I understand who St. Patrick was and how the Irish immigrants brought St. Patrick's Day to America. But I still have a question for you. We're looking for the old feral farm. It's my friend's long-lost property and we're here to claim it. Mr. O'Reilly's jolly smile faded and he studied the children as he rubbed his whiskers in deep thought. Ah, I see. Yes, I can take you to the farm. I think that you would like to see it. They have donated it. Shortly after, as the sun dropped below the horizon, 14 curious children stood in front of a beautiful white farmhouse with a sign above the front porch which read Rescue Home. They heard a faint bark once in a while as they approached the whitewashed home with fresh laundry hanging from a clothesline. A little girl ran to greet them. Have you come to choose a puppy? We have all different types. Would you like a Labrador, a Poodle, a Mutt? 
We rescue all of the puppies and give them a good home and training. They're all ready for new owners. Claire's confused expression met the girl's pleasant one. Actually, this property is our farm. We've come to claim it. The little girl's dark eyes narrowed and her cheeks flushed red. Presently, her mother appeared in the doorway and seeing her daughter's forlorn expression asked what might be the problem. We are the O'Farrell descendants and this farm rightfully belongs to us. The woman closed her eyes, fighting back tears. We were told that the American cousins were not interested in the farm and that they would never come. Please give me a moment, she whispered as she pulled her daughter back into the house and shut the door. Jack, Claire, and Levi looked at each other with tears in their eyes. Then they looked up at their mother. Mom, I thought I'd feel happier when we found our farm, but my stomach hurts and I think I might throw up. All dreams of gardening and horseback riding on her own farm faded. I don't think snatching up this farm is what we were meant to do. I'm going to speak with the family who runs the puppy rescue. We won't be taking anything away from them. After a few minutes in which the adults discussed matters of business, the little girl emerged from the front door, practically dancing as she carried a brass pot with a lid. Oh, thank you for not taking our rescue farm away. We save lots of puppies and other animals every year. But I have something for you. Years ago, we found this pot buried in the woods. It said O'Farrell on it. We always wanted to give it to its rightful owners. The little girl looked at Levi and said, Open it. When he lifted the lid, Levi gasped. Pot of gold! A real pot of gold! A real pot of gold! Many years ago, some people used to bury their inheritance. This pot of gold was certainly from the great-great-great-grandparents of Claire, Jack, and Levi, and it was theirs to keep. The little girl thanked them profusely for not making her give up the puppy rescue. Claire's stomach did not hurt anymore, for she had found the joy in giving rather than receiving, and she began to think of ways that they could use their gold to give to others. At that moment, the children noticed a rainbow stretching from one end of the sky to another. So Levi had found his rainbow with the pot of gold at the end. Claire composed a limerick for the moment. An Irish-American child loved leprechauns and all things wild. He screamed in alarm, for he lost the farm, but he found the gold grandpa had piled. <laughs> I hope that we've whet your appetite for the intriguing poetry, legends, and stories of Ireland. Stick around for some writing ideas at the end of the podcast. Be sure to follow us at the Brilliant Mornings Instagram account, where you'll see pictures of sheep from Shepherd Island's farm, as well as other beautiful scenes from Ireland. And I leave you with this blessing. May the road rise up to meet you. May the wind be always at your back. May the sun shine warm upon your face. The rains fall soft upon your fields. And until we meet again, may God hold you in the palm of his hand. Try to write the five-line limerick poem today with the rhyme scheme of A-A-B-B-A. A-A stand for two lines that end with words that rhyme. B-B stand for the next two lines which end in different words that rhyme. 
The last A means that the last line has to end in a word that rhymes with the first two lines. So here's how you write a limerick. Start with thinking of rhyming words. For example, today Micah and Holt thought of the rhyming words night and flight. After they chose these words, they thought about who might be going on a flight in the night. They decided to tell the story of a king. These are the first two lines of the limerick. A king went out in the night and his floppy feet took to flight. Do you see how they rhyme? Pay attention to the rhyme and rhythm that we are creating. Ba-bum, ba-bum, ba-bum. Ba-bum, ba-bum, ba-bum. Rhythms are an important part of poetry. Next, Micah and Holt chose two different rhyming words for their next two lines. Feet and eat. They wrote these lines. But a monster with big feet was looking for something to eat. Now it was time for the fifth line. Remember, it has to rhyme with the first two lines, night and flight. Holt chose the word light. So their fifth line became, the king couldn't wait for the light. The full poem sounds like this. A king went out in the night and his floppy feet took to flight. But a monster with big feet was looking for something to eat. The king couldn't wait for the light. You can have fun with this one. It's a nonsensical poem that can just be silly. If you send me your limerick, you might just be featured on the Brilliant Mornings Instagram. Another writing activity that children can do either with their parents or by themselves if they write is to tell a story that you heard in this episode from a different point of view. For example, what if you write the story of St. Patrick from the view of his sheep? You have to pretend that you are one of his sheep. How would the sheep feel about St. Patrick? Or maybe you could write the story of a potato farmer leaving Ireland and getting onto a ship headed for New York, but from the point of view of the youngest child in the family. How would the child feel about leaving his or her home in Ireland? There are many wonderful books on Ireland and St. Patrick, but did you know that you can even read what historians call the actual writings of St. Patrick translated into English? See the podcast notes for the link. Today we featured Irish music, from Lindsay Adonisio and Sarah and Chris Buteau with the Irish fiddle and the concertina. Hope Greycar sung St. Patrick's Breastplate and Oro. Mr. Allen joined us from his real farm in Ireland. Our special guests included Claire, Jack, and Levi. The O'Farrell descendants, whose grandfather actually did leave his farm to cousins upon coming to America. Mr. Dan joined us as Mr. O'Sullivan other guests today included Micah, Jack, and Uncle Matt. Special thanks to Miss Michelle, who helped us find her shepherd in Ireland. This podcast was produced by Heidi Illion with intro and outro music by Matt Graycar. If you like what you heard today, please leave a review and please leave a comment on our Instagram, Brilliant Mornings.